This episode of the podcast is sponsored by Clean Cut Barbershop, located on 21 East Kelsey Avenue in Salt Lake City, Utah. To schedule an appointment, visit cleancutbarbershopslc.com. Walk-ins are also welcome. Mention Short Story Bingo and receive $5 off your first visit. Now, on to the show! Ooh, that's a bingo! Is that the way you say it? That's a bingo. You just say bingo. Bingo! How fun! How fucking fun indeed it is. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Short Story Bingo, episode 39 for that ass. Um, If this is your first time, welcome. If this is your second time, the retention program is working. Uh, What we do on this podcast is I am a glorified narrator to stories that you would not have probably heard anyway. It's like an audible, sort of. Got a special guest on today, uh, Dangerous Devil. Say what's up. What's up, everybody? How y'all doing today? Hell yeah. Uh, and we'll, we're uh, going to interview him a little bit more at the at the end of the story. And then also we're going to include a track. Is it City Lights? City Lights. That's right. My brand new track. And that's your single that you got coming out, right? That, that's right. Okay. And we'll talk more about that and uh, where you can uh, hear more of his music and stuff like that. Certainly a pleasure to have him on the show. Very funny story. Uh, we actually just met yesterday for the first time at a Get It Right event, which uh, Zach Ivey um, put on and super appreciative of that it was super fun uh, to have like there's a bunch of guys there that uh, you know are within the hip hop scene hip hop community so it was super cool to brush elbows yeah that was awesome that was a real cool event it was nice to get out there and meet everybody it was it was hella tight so hell yeah man um, and yeah peace to Zach Ivy he's been he's also been on the show as you guys know so uh, go check that episode I don't remember which one it was but it's definitely I don't know we're at 39 so it's one of the 38 before <laughs> um, anyway, let's get into our random Twitter follower shout out. And today uh, we got, we're just going to uh, go with the course of, the, of uh, my guest here. And that's at 801 Dangerous D. Again, at 801 Dangerous D. Give this man a follow. I just uh, followed and immediately mentioned him just now. So, uh, yeah, give this man a follow. And then the, the top three countries, it's the same three. Uh, just different order, but of course, beyond the United States because we're number one. Just kidding. Um, but uh, it goes UK, Canada, and then Sweden. Last week, I think it was like Sweden, Canada, and the UK. So they just all stayed there, just uh, switched positions. And still, still, this, at the top three states, Utah is still not number one, man. What? Yeah. This is two weeks in a row. So it goes California, then Utah. And then Maryland, man. Where's my Utah people at? Yo, man. I mean, they, uh, they're here, but you know, California's on the tip too. So, peace to Cali cats that are listening in. I certainly appreciate that. Make sure that you email me, uh, shortstorybingo at gmail.com with any new stories that you want me to find. Um, I use iBooks even. I use uh, even my own Audible, uh, Amazon Goodreads. So, like, they have a bunch of stories on there for free. Just like books that uh, you are looking in, uh, send links, uh, all that shit. And just send them over your feedback. I see the feedback on the um, uh, on iTunes, so I certainly appreciate that. Please rate and review, uh, share and subscribe, man. So yeah, episode 39 we have a coming up. 
It's uh, out of the... We're going to say Serial Killer two weeks in a row, okay? Because we were... Well, I just want to, so that's just what it is. But the name of this story is Robin's Fetish, and it's out of Serial Killers, True Crime, Homicidal Maniacs, Bloodthirsty Serial Killers, and Lethal Murderers. Oh, my God. That's the name of the book. Again, they could work on the name, man. I mean, this just seems like a little, little breathy. I don't know how that's... Uh, how that uh, all went down when they were trying to choose the name of that book. But um, I only read a little bit of it, like not, so I'm not going to put any spoilers out there, but I will say, well, whatever. I'm just fucking excited to see what this guy did. Uh, so I, 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 what an episode for you to come in on. Yeah, right. I don't, I don't even, I'm not even familiar with this story, so this is going to be new for me, too. Love it. Love it. So episode 39, we're about to lift off. Happy Podcast Friday to you and yours. Hope you guys have a good weekend. Nate Chacon the third, Short Story Bingo. And, of course, we have to have the intro song. <coughs> Short story bingo. Short story bingo. Short story bingo. Short story bingo. Sometimes they're funny and sometimes they're sad. Most of the time they're funny because I hate to be sad. Short story bingo. Short story bingo. Short story bingo. Short story bingo. But don't take my word for it. Spare fingers. Yes. On June 1st, 1981, a maid from the Moonlit Hotel in Villa Park, Chicago, reported to the manager that something smelled awful. I can only imagine what the fuck that might it's be. It's probably just like old lasagna or something. I yeah, think. right. That's exactly what I think it is. <laughs> um, okay, so reported to the manager uh, that uh, something smelled awful. At first, she thought it was going to be a fleeting odor. One that would go away eventually. But as the day went on, the smell only worsened. Afraid the guests would start complaining about it, because they fucking would immediately, <laughs> the manager tracked down where the smell was coming from, and he found it in the vacant field at the back of the building. Okay? According to the manager, he was prepared to dispose of a dead body, but only one that belonged to an animal. So he was expecting to come up on like a dead dog or something or a fucking some dead carcass of an animal not dead carcass of a human yeah i mean why would you expect it to be a human you wouldn't that's right. exactly you fucking wouldn't man um p.s i would definitely want to look at this moonlit hotel moonlit hotel i want to see how many stars they have because maybe it just wasn't the smell that people didn't want to go to yeah, look that shit up on the internet, maybe. I'm going to look it up right now. Let's see. Villa Park, Chicago. Villa Park. Maybe it's out of business. Top 10 hotels. Hotels. It's not even a thing anymore. Hmm. It's not even a thing anymore. Yeah, if bodies are in the back, probably not going to be a thing anymore. <laughs> Buddies in the back. Uh, that might be my next song, actually. I was gonna say that sounds like a fucking. That sounds like something for sure. Yeah, man. Yeah, no, it's done. It's super done. Okay, all yeah. right. So, afraid the guests would start complaining about it, the manager tracked down where the smell was coming from, and he found it in the vacant field at the back of the building. Damn, it was in the field even. So, like, it was so stinky. 
that it came into the fucking hotel. Have you ever smelled a body? Not like a dead body. No? Yeah, I've smelled bodies. They stink. Like terribly? Yeah, they smell bad. Okay. Uh, Okay, so he was, uh, according to the manager, he was prepared to dispose of a dead body, but only one that belonged to an animal. What he saw, however, was the body of a woman. The remains only consisted of bone fabrics, or excuse me, bone fragments and some skin, which was being eaten by maggots. The manager didn't think twice. He called the police. Thank you, sir. <laughs> when three detectives received the call, they were not surprised. That area of Chicago was a rundown place. The fast food chains, bars, and clubs, and junkie shops were often filled with shady people. Those who were looking for either drugs, quick sex, or both. Sounds like my type of people, actually. <laughs> Upon arriving at the lot, the police instantly knew that they had a murder case. Yeah, okay. Well, maybe fucking manager telling you that he found a dead body in the back, that there's only a couple fragments. I don't know. I guess I don't know the, 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 the topography of Villa Park, Chicago, and what kind of other critters that they have they're like fucking cougars or something so i don't know if <laughs> maybe they're like oh maybe like a mountain lion got her or something you know what i'm saying but <laughs> upon arriving at the lot the police instantly knew that they had a murder case not only okay even more information yeah not only was the woman gagged but she was also handcuffed her sweater was still on as well as her underwear but they were pulled down to her thighs Sounds like they have some real genius cops working back then. They instantly knew they had a murder case. (laughs) (laughs) The socks she wore contained a few rolled dollar bills indicating that it wasn't a robbery gone wrong. Those dollar bills were fucking used for something. Mm. You know exactly. She was was sniffing that booger sugar, dang. Yeah. The devil's dandruff. In their estimate, the three detectives agreed that the woman had been there for quite some time now. Okay, judging by the decomposition, and the maggots, and the right, worse, they also believed that she was left there alive and only died when she succumbed to whatever the cause of her death was. That would be like just thinking about that. Like if she was put there, well, I mean, I would hope. uh, I'm not gonna say hope, but like maybe was like hit real hard or something, and then like died. Oh, I don't know. The police didn't waste time. After all, they needed to know the identity of the victim by obtaining fingerprints and teeth impressions, if they were still salvageable. They also needed to discover if the current scene was also the murder scene, or was it just the dumping scene? The time of death, and of course, the cause. Okay, all right, fucking regular police work, CSI. Sounds like an episode out of, you know, that shit. As the body was being prepared to be sent to coroner... Pete Sykeman, which is super specific that they put his name in here. <laughs> the detective Kind of random, too, actually. Right. Like, first and last name? I don't know. Whatever, man. Uh, the detectives came to the conclusion that since it was the first report, the body had recently been left at the location. All right. The implication was that the culprits, in case there was more than one, were able to tolerate the decomposing body before they had the chance or the sense to dump it. Wait a second. Let me reread that, because I... Was she left there dead already then? Is that what that just said? Okay. Yeah, I, I guess that's what they're saying, that they they were able to tolerate her body and then drop it there. 
Is that what they're saying? Yeah. I guess it's... Let me reread it. As the body was being prepared to be sent to the coroner, Pete Sykeman, my boy Pete, the, t- yep. the, the detectives came to the conclusion that since it was the first report of the body, I'm guessing, the first report of the body, I mean, there would only be one report of the body, I feel like. Right. The body had uh, recently been left at that location, at the location, okay? The implication was that the culprits, in case there was more than one were able to tolerate the decomposing body before they have the chance or the sense to dump it. Do you get that? I, I, I think I get it, but what the hell does that... I mean, what does that tell us about the story? Like, I don't know. I, I guess I don't understand. Like, the implication was that the culprits, in case there was more than one, were able to... I'm fucking... I swear to God, I know that some of you guys are listening right now. Like, you idiot. This is... A, <laughs> I, I, and I totally get it. You can bang your fucking shower wall right now. Uh, the implication was that the culprits in case... My God, come on. The implication was that the culprits, in case there was more than one, were able to tolerate the de- decomposing body before they had the chance or the sense to dump it. I don't think that I don't feel like that was very well written. Okay. I think this could have been this could have been written better to tell us this. That's, okay, so that's my think, impression. Okay. Of it. Beyond that, I think that maybe what is being uh, conveyed is that these dudes had the body for a while, and maybe it was decomposing like in their shit. Even though I got the idea that maybe she was left there, like alive. I don't know. Okay, anyway, fuck it, we're going to move forward. Inspecting the missing persons report was of no use, for no one had reported a missing prostitute. They thought the victim was one because of the rolled-up dollar bills. They had to wait two weeks for the teeth impression and fingerprints analysis. Isn't that still faster than today? They're, like, slow getting that shit back today, like DNA and stuff. Don't they take, like, months? I feel like you're right. I yeah, like, like they're really slow today to get the shit back. Like two weeks is like super fast today. And it's 1981. This is 1980 yeah. in the story? Yeah. This is 1981. Okay. So I don't know. I mean, but yeah, like they had to wait two weeks for the teeth impressions and fingerprints analysis, but it was worth it. Finally, the victim was identified. She was Linda Sutton, 28 years old, a mother of two. And, as expected, because you guys are dickheads and fucking stereotyping-ass assholes, a prostitute. Okay, well, post-mortem examination revealed that she had been dead for three days. But due to the large wound on her chest, her left breast had been removed. The decomposition rate was increased. Did you guys just hear that? Okay. She was Linda Sutton, 28 years old, a mother of two, and, as expected, a prostitute. Post-mortem examination revealed that she had been dead for three days. But due to the large wound on her chest. You guys hear that? On her chest because they cut it off, man. They cut off her tit. Her left breast had been removed. The decomposition rate was increased. And also the blood pouring out of her. That's some savage shit right there. Yeah, dude. That'd be super savage. Okay, so check this out. I was watching the other day a gal go through her, uh, tr- or a, a gal going through her transition to become a male, and you know, very intense uh, 
procedures have to be done in order for that to be completed. Sure. And so she was talking, she was having, I think, she was having a party to celebrate her breast being removed. And which is super cool, whatever. I mean, if that's what's, you know, if that's what's going on, that's what's going on. Um, But I just was sitting down watching it like, yo, man, that's like, that just seems like a lot of, like a lot of human coming off of you. Like some painful shit. Is that what you're getting at? Yeah, that's what I'm getting at. Yeah, Yeah. just like a lot coming off of you. Yeah. And like a serious incision do you know what i'm saying like does that make sense like like some hurt your self type shit 100 percent. exactly yeah. yeah okay so we're both on the same page yeah. so her having her breast removed i mean unwillingly of course poor linda probably so, like while you're still alive oh and everything yeah yeah see and so that's what i'm saying is like i feel like that would be the the part that um would be a little uh, tricky. Anyway, okay. So eight months after Linda's body had been discovered, another woman turned up missing. A 35-year-old waitress was abducted from her car, and after a thorough search, her body was found on an embankment. The condition oddly resembled, uh, resembling Linda's corpse, complete with an amputated breast. What are you doing, sir? Just collecting boobs, man? Although the new case was published... Take a picture, man. You can have your fucking... I don't know. People have, you know, weird fetishes and shit, you know. They keep pictures. Just take pictures. Don't take the actual tit, man. Although the new case was publicized, the police asked the media to not include the removed breast in their reports. They plan on using that information for interrogation purposes. I love that. Right, right. Don't give them everything because... There, we still have some like aces in our back hole or aces in our back hole back pocket man. that that was uh, badly worded yeah i tried my best on that <laughs> not even a week passed and another body was recovered so that's three this time the victim a hispanic woman who was wearing an engagement ring was also raped and tortured but her breast was not removed it had only been badly bitten Oh, my God. This guy better not be biting tits off. So is this guy, like, changing up his game plan now? I don't know. Do you think that he went back to the drawing board? He's like, you know what? It's it's, it's kind of easy to just slice a tit off. Maybe I should start biting at it. So maybe in his deranged mind, he's, like, trying to change up what he's doing so the police don't look at him or he's just... He's just a freak and he wants to do something different. I love that first part because maybe... He's like, they won't notice because this one's only bitten. They'll think it's someone else. Exactly. Try, trying to uh, dust his trail. Yeah, okay. I got yeah. you. Yeah. Another difference from the two other corpses was the fact that the killer masturbated on the body. Jesus. That's one sick motherfucker right there. Dude, don't jizz on dead bodies, man. Come on, man. Take it easy, bro. Good Lord. Okay, uh, okay. it wasn't indicated... Oh, wait. wait no, 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 no. Another difference from the two other corpses was the fact that the killer masturbated on the body. It wasn't indicated how the psychiatrist arrived at such a conclusion, but they all figured that the man behind this murder was a family man, probably someone who loved animals and was a respected person in society. At night, however, he turned dark. What a fucking Jekyll and Hyde situation like and also like the psychiatrist would be like you know i i really think that he's a family man i think that i think that uh 
and he probably loves animals. Have you? Yeah, but have you ever seen any of the uh, like stuff on TV about these guys? Like how many of these guys turn out to be like family dudes? John Wayne Gacy was a family dude, and he had kids buried under his house. Yeah, exactly. And there's like the uh, he was a senator or like a, a local mayor. Or yeah, something, something like that. And it was wasn't there like the uh, like Green River killer or something? It was like the dude was going along and like killing all the women and and uh, like Ted Bundy or something. Well, Ted Bundy wasn't a family man. Ted Bundy lived by himself. Well. I, and actually, I got a funny story for you, too. And I'm not going to get into this on here, but, and, and this is the honest to God truth. My mom worked for a serial killer, and I spent the night at, at his house as a kid. Really? I swear to God. What was the, what was this? The, did he have a, like a moniker, like a name? It was not it like was, his actual name, but they, like the you know. He he was a serial killer that lived here in Salt Lake. He had children, and that's why I was there. I was there with his kids. Honest to God, truth. This is a true story. And he went to death row here in Utah and was executed. What was his name? Nah, I ain't I ain't saying, dude. I ain't gonna well, say. I mean, it. if it's it, it's public record that he was executed. Mm-hmm. So are you worried that like his family will hear this or something? Nah, I think his family relocated and changed their names, but I'm just going to leave it at that and let's okay. move on. Let's move right, on okay, with the okay. story. All right, all right. Let's move on with the story. <laughs> That's pretty interesting, man. Yeah, also crazy. also fucking weird. It's like, crazy. Like, it's like, weird hindsight. as fuck. It's weird as fuck. It's a true story, though. Right. Okay, so uh, at night, however, he turned dark. Okay, on May 15th, Lorraine Borowski was innocently walking her way to the realtor's office where she worked when someone kidnapped her from the parking lot. Her body turned up in Clarendon Hill Cemetery in Villa Park some five months later. Like the other uh, victims, she too was raped repeatedly and tortured. A wire wound around her chest was also used to amputate her breast. God! Exactly two weeks after Lorraine was abducted and killed, two weeks, Shui Mack became the next casualty. So that's five bodies we're up to. Report said she was on her way home from their family restaurant in Streamwood and was in the car with her brother. When the two argued, her brother dropped her off, thinking that one of their relatives who were driving behind would pick her up. She never returned alive. Damn. For her body was recovered buried in a construction site. What the fuck? This dude's doing all kinds of craziness. Right. Like all the others, she too was raped, tortured, and mutilated. Okay? Doesn't say anything about the breast part, though. Mm-mm. Okay? In June, another prostitute named Angel York was abducted, but she had the fortune to survive. It's beyond a fortune to fucking survive, man. I mean, that's... I think that's, like... there's Because there's always, like, one person that, mm-hmm. like, escapes. Like, the last week, uh, in episode 38, we were... Uh, the one I was reading about this uh, South Korean cannibal gang. And just to give you a, a quick synopsis of that story, which is totally fine. Um, they preyed on wealthy people in South Korea. There were a bunch of ex-convicts. Well, the they were just getting out of prison and what have you. This is in 1994, P.S. Okay. Um, it's a, a band of six dudes. They had, a, they had a, a layer in the hills of South Korea. And so... They blackmailed an employee at a Hyundai dealership, got the uh, mailing list 
for the folks that have bought a car there and would pick at random who they would lure, mutilate, well, like, dismember, eat, and then incinerate the body. They made their own incinerator. Oh, my God. Right. So, anyway... Man, that's crazy, because I own a Hyundai. Now I'm going to be thinking about that all the way home while I'm driving. <laughs> <laughs> Holy shit. So, yeah, that's what they that's what they did. But the what I was, I think what I was getting at is the the amputation of this stuff. You know, like, I don't know, man. Like, it's just crazy to think that how far people are really going. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. Also, her brother must have felt like shit. I don't mean to say it like that, but fucking, I... Over, I, I bet that argument, too, was over nothing. Like, couldn't it have been over... What, what the fuck could they have been arguing about? They were just coming back from their family restaurant. What could they have been arguing about? Like, how... Nothing important enough. At yeah. all. Just like... Yeah. Just nothing. Just probably about his... Her... I don't even know. I can't even come up with a fucking scenario. I mean, I can make shit up pretty quick, but that scenario is, like, pretty self sufficient in, in the fact that she ended up just not coming home. That's so fucked up. In June, another prostitute named Angel York, where at six, abducted, was abducted, but she had the fortune to survive. Oh, oh that's right. The, that's what I was, that's why I brought that up, is because there's always one that ends up leaving. So there's one dude that got um, snatched up by this South Korean gang, and when he got taken to their lair and shit, he's like looking around, like kind of like tied up and shit, and he's seeing all these articles of clothing like just around that these guys were not going to be wearing. You know what I'm saying? They're like, mm, that's a pile of hats, man. So, so he's putting two and two together yeah, and figuring the yeah. shit out. <laughs> that looks like an oven for a human. And right? he's figuring <laughs> this out, and he's knowing he it's time out. to so he's he time to roll out. Yeah, yeah, he ran. He ran, and he got away. That, and, um, notified the police, and boom, all those guys got hemmed up, and they were like killed within six months. Oh man. Um, which you know. Go fuck yourself. Like they, they, he definitely should have died that quick. Uh, okay, so that's what I'm saying. So she got out and she survived. So this is gonna foil the plan, right? Because they, I mean, if you survive, then you're fucked. I mean, the killer's fucked. Right. In June, another prostitute named Angel York was abducted, but she had the fortune to survive. According to her report, a red van took her, and inside, the men handcuffed and raped her. Oh, my God. Before slashing her breast off and masturbating on the wound. Oh, my God. This is one crazy mofo. Oh, my God. Their last action was to cover her, her mutilated breast with duct tape before dumping her body outside like a used bottle. At this point, the police now knew there was more than just one killer. It would explain the differences in the modus operandi. But Angel's description didn't help the identification of the serial killers. And so the murders continued. In August of 1982, Sandra Delaware, a prostitute, was found in the Chicago River. Her hands were tied at her back and her breast was mutilated. On top of being raped, she would have also been stabbed and strangled. <sighs> a little more than a week later, the body of Rose Davis, she was 31, was found. Her injuries were similar to the previous victims, but the police agreed she suffered more because aside from being raped and strangled, she was beaten with a hatchet. Damn. Yo, they're just going in. There's a lot of anger in these. You notice that? Right. A lot of anger. 
as far as like uh, how they uh, yeah how they mutilate him how they like hit him with these tools and these instruments and these things they're doing there's a lot of anger in it but also the masturbating in the wound yeah I mean this this shit is unnecessary so unnecessary right it's so unnecessary it starts to get unnecessary with the thought right <laughs> well of course right yeah just fucking take it easy man and I'm, I'm curious to see how many, right? I'm curious yeah. to see how many. Um, okay, around the same time Rose was abducted, Carol Pappas, 42, also went missing. However, her body would be found some five years later. Wow. As the bodies piled up, so had the clues. The Behavioral Science Unit of the FBI reported that the murderer was probably someone with a confused sexuality. He could be a closet bisexual, and he could look a little effeminate. These characteristics, albeit interesting, were not that helpful. The police needed the identity, but so far, none of the physical evidences, which comprised mostly of bodies and wounds, led them to the perpetrator. Until Beverly Washington was attacked, raped, and tortured, and she survived, Beverly was only 20 when a man held her captive in her van aside um, a van in his van aside from the usual torture and sexual oh, hold on let me redo that okay one second okay these characteristics albeit interesting were not that helpful the police needed the identity but so far none of the physical evidences which comprise mostly of bodies and wounds led them to the perpetrator until of course Beverly Washington was attacked raped tortured and she survived Beverly was only 20 when a man held her captive in his van, aside from the usual torture and sexual assault, the man also amputated her left breast and slashed her right breast before finally dumping her body on a railroad track. And this is who we found out is going to be the, the scapegoat here, the person that might... She survived the attack. She survived the attack, and from her, the police were able to gain invaluable knowledge about the van's description, as well as the man responsible for her near-death near experience. So they dumped her off, like, thinking that she was going to just die i don't know man see that's all fucked up to me because like if you're gonna go that far um just fucking i mean you should just kill her at that point before you dump her body or do you just think that like is she's gonna die in a timely manner because she has I, like these huge wounds on her I, i'm thinking like this person probably thinks that they're just dumping the person like a piece of trash at that point Right. They, they've gotten so used to it being like a systemized process at that point. They don't even Good think it, they don't even think of these people like humans anymore. It's just like a system to them. They, it, it's, it's interesting. Yeah, it's systemized. They've got it down to a system and they just start dumping these people and they get sloppy. And so I think they just probably like they just dumped her thinking she was going to bleed out and die. And they didn't bother to make sure she was actually dead. Wow. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's what I'm thinking. Well, see, that, and I guess I, I'm, this is why I wouldn't, I'm not a serial killer. <laughs> I would um, hope not. Well, right. Because <laughs> uh, you'd, you'd be the second one I've sat with in my <laughs> life. <laughs> Shit. Um, but, like, like, I would, like, logically thinking about it, I'd, I mean, you for sure don't want witnesses. So, like, you'd have to kill her. But, like you're saying, I can see absolutely that theory of them just like, oh, it's just, just trash. She's going to die. Like, it's a wrap anyway. Yeah. Yeah. And completely just devaluing her life in general and 
like, who's going to believe her or whatever the fuck. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I mean, everyone will believe you, P.S. So, like, if you're trapped in a van right now listening to this podcast, everyone will believe you. Try to get out. Yeah. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> Please, I hope you're not in a fucking van dying. All right. The horror. Oh, excuse me. On the day 20-year-old Beverly was abducted, she was working as a prostitute. I mean, there's uh, obviously. See, 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 that's the other thing is I think that. Very vulnerable human beings. Yeah, that's the other thing. I think they devalue. I think they devalue um, these women because they're prostitutes. I think that uh, they don't look at them as human beings because they're prostitutes. They are um, pieces of material. So to speak? Yeah, so to speak. I mean, for sure not. They're absolutely human beings, but... Well, we normal people still see them as human beings, but these guys, you know, don't see them as human beings. They devalue them. Right. So, so they were able to throw her right out of the van as a piece of trash, like I said. Right. And so they didn't they didn't worry about her being alive or dead. They thought she was just going to die. You know, if you if you get, I'm assuming I'm not a doctor, but if you get thrown out with your whole breast cut off, I'm sure there's arteries and shit in there, and I would think nine times out of ten, you're probably going to bleed out. That would be my assumption. Right. right. And that's what I'm saying, too, is, like, it's incredible that she lived. So, peace to her. Right. For living, but also, you're kind of living a fucking weird life after that because of that traumatic-ass experience. That's just terrible, man. That's, like, a that's a brain, um, that's a, that's a, a brain, like, your brain being in a cage, if I've ever heard one, man, like... At least for, I don't know, man. I don't know how long it, I, I I don't know if I would ever get over something like that, like that type of experience, and be able to like just like walk, and uh, just be cool, you know. Like that'd be a pretty intense experience to go through. Um, similar to, I don't know, I don't know. PT, PTSD would be pretty deep for something like that. Oh hell yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I guess that's what I'm getting at. Okay, so according to her, a slender white man wearing a flannel shirt and square-toed boots, approached her for her services. And since he offered to pay her more than her normal rates, she agreed. Things went sour when the man with greasy brown hair and a mustache... Come on, man. Mustaches are trying to make a comeback, but you keep making us look bad. <laughs> Things went sour when the man with, a, with greasy brown hair and a mustache pulled out a gun and urged her to go inside the van. Don't they know by now you never get in the back of a van? I mean, come on. Right. When, I mean, did, when did vans go out? The 70s? No, vans are still in. Really? I think so. Oh, come on. <laughs> After commanding Beverly to get naked, the killer handcuffed her and forced her to perform fellatio. The last thing Beverly remembered was the man holding some wires. Oh, God. She fell unconscious because a serial killer had forced her to take some pills. She was duck. Okay. So, for sure drugging her, obviously. Okay, you just don't give someone fucking ibuprofen in that situation. I mean, obviously she was being put out. Right. Oh, my God. And with a wire, dude? A wire? Ugh. Probably like wire from like what a wire hanger or something. Dude, I don't, I, I don't. Could you do that with a wire hanger? I feel like a wire hanger is too thick, as far as like 
yeah, I feel like it would be too thick. I feel like, like I have a cheese slicer, and it's, it's there's just one little piece of wire. I'm thinking that type of wire, like just really thin. Damn. Yeah, I'm thinking that, and like, but to come up, I don't know, man. Oh, yeah, damn, exactly. Man. Okay. She was dumped afterwards with her left breast gone and her right nearly so. Oh, my God. Someone saw her, brought her to the hospital, and she survived. Yes! When the police questioned her, she revealed that the van was just as Angel had described it to be. It was red. In her memory, Beverly recalled tinted windows. Naturally, you should have tinted windows if you're serial killing. Wooden dry, uh, dividers inside. What? They made, like, compartments? And a roach clip... <laughs> and a roach clip. See, that's like 70. That's got 70s written all over I it. I know, but it's definitely not. It's the 80s. Um, wooden tr- uh, dividers inside and a roach clip and feather hanging by the rearview mirror. Okay. A roach clip and feather. So, like, the roach clip's probably holding the feather. The date of the first encounter was not clear. Some said it was October 5th. Some said the 20th. And another one mentioned November 7th. But on uh, uh, November 7th? Do you know? Mm. Oh, that's December 7th. Sorry. Pearl Harbor Day. Not. Um, November 7th. Why does that sound so familiar to me as far as a day that I should know? Anyway, and another one mentioned November 7th. But on that day, the police saw a van which fitted Beverly's description to a T. When the driver of the van was interviewed, however, he didn't fit the man with greasy brown hair and mustache. For an instance, his hair was red. Eddie Spritzer, the driver, divide, uh, confided that the van belonged to his boss, Robin Gecht. Mm. That's who we got to now, ladies and gentlemen. Look him up right now. Pause the podcast and look him up. Robin Gecht. Let's all look at him together, shall we? I'm sure he's a fucking awesome human being, and he looks even cooler, I'm sure. Robin. Oh, God. Is he a winner? He's super. Come over here really quick. Just okay. come take a look. Look at this dude. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. You're a sick I, I individual, know, sir. I know all about this, dude. Do you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know all about this, dude. So now, so now, you're, priv- I, you, so now you're up to... Okay. I'm up to speed on this one. Okay. Yep. The, so they went also by the Ripper crew. Yep. Okay. Yep, I didn't, okay. I'm, I'm up on this one okay. now. I didn't know, so we'll keep going. Uh, was red. Okay. Uh, let me maximize this out again. Okay. He didn't seem nervous. Um, uh, upon seeing... Okay, hold on. Let's go run that back. Okay, Eddie Spritzer, the driver... I think I'm saying it right. Spritzer? Spritzer? S-P-R-E-I-T-Z-E-R. Look him up, too. Eddie Spritzer, the driver, confided that the van belonged to his boss, Robin Gecht. And with his help, the police were able to track down Robin's address. Upon seeing him, the police knew that he was their man. From his hair and mustache to his shirt and boots. But the man before them was confident. He didn't seem nervous. So the police figured that either he was innocent or he just truly believed that he was untouchable. With Robin calm, collected, and cooperative, dude, the ego's on some of these guys, bro. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. They thought they were untouchable, just like you were saying. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, well, with Robin calm, collected, and cooperative, and the fact that the police still didn't have an arrest warrant, they let him go after a couple of questions. 
which is fine. The police did their job. Let's just hope that he doesn't run or something. And they never run. Sometimes they run. Like, after after questions and, like, shit, they let me go, you know? Sometimes they run, but for the, like... I don't know. Maybe not for the most part. Most of the time they don't run. Most of the time they'll stay there because they think they're going to get away with it. They've got egos. Is that the same... Is that maybe along the same theory lines of uh, arsonists that come back to the place that they burned just because they want to see, like it being burned and how like do you understand what i'm saying i understand what you're saying a lot of these guys will keep trophies and shit like they actually i don't know what i mean i'm not one of these guys i don't know what sure. goes on their head but they really i think they really think they're gonna get away with it right I do too. Ob- obviously they they don't tick right right i mean if they didn't they wouldn't be doing the shit in the first place exactly totally agree okay with the possible man under their watch the police went back to the surviving victims and asked them to pick out a photo of their assailant. They picked Robin Gecht. A superficial background check revealed that Robin had been arrested three years prior. But due to his underground connections, he was freed. Nearly 100% positive that their man was Robin, the police interrogated him and Eddie once more. While the first was notably collected, Eddie seemed to be on the verge of breaking down. So Robin's, he's got it under control because he's a psycho and has no fucking feelings. Not before long, Eddie admitted to their crimes, which didn't just include rape, torture, and murder, but also a random drive-by shooting. That's kind of odd. Right. That's kind of odd. For that's what, like legitimately odd. For what these guys have been doing, just a random shooting like that's kind of odd. Yeah, it really is. It's like this seems. I mean, for sure, this whole shit is out of character. But <laughs> um, yeah, that does. You're right. I, I I didn't see that one coming. In his story, Eddie was the driver while Robin was the shooter. The incident the incident killed one man and left another paralyzed. God. And you know what, man? That's like. Crossfire shootings, drive-by shootings. Can you just see these two fucking clowns driving by and, like, throwing up West Side? They wouldn't be doing that. They would just be fucking bumping, like, Leonard Skinner and fucking shooting. I know. (laughs) (laughs) The first, and the reason why I say Leonard Skinner is, like, you got to look up these guys. Oh, I know. Look them up. uh, They go under the Ripper crew. They're they're like a couple of Joe Dirt assholes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's a perfect description. Yeah. Yeah. The first incident on the prostitute killing was with a black hooker, whom he believed was never found because Robin disposed of her body in the waters. Exact location was not disclosed. Before her death, the prostitute was used sexually mutil- uh, was used sexually mutilated. Robin also removed her breast and was shot to the head. To weigh her body down, the killer used a bowling ball. Word? It had to be like an 18. You, you know what? It's I, I I always think it's really sad when you see these stories. The the most sad thing um, is for the family is when they never get closure. Exactly. That that that's the worst thing is when these families don't get closure for for their family members. Right. I mean, because mm-hmm. like especially after when they you know find them, 
Yeah. And then and then they still aren't giving up that much information about it. Yeah. That's like yeah, you're exactly right. That's a that's a bit much. And it really is sad for the families for sure. But the bowling ball thing, I mean, if there's no resistance, do you think that they can just pull a body down, right? Like in the water, just like weigh a body down? I think so. Yeah. That makes me want to try something like that. What? No, just I mean I would resist. I would for sure resist, but I would like to see, like, how quick it would take, like, a body down. My body. Okay. <laughs> yeah, my body. Like okay, was, your body. Yeah, yeah, you had to clarify that yeah, real yeah, fast. Yeah, my body. In my, on my okay. body. Okay, okay. I have, like, a 14-pound ball. I don't know. It just seems, I guess, like, I mean, people will put, like, you know, they use cinder blocks. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I think you could probably, uh, well, it's like cement shoes with the mafia. I think anything with weight would probably probably take you down pretty quick. I weigh, so, but with my weight, I'm over, I weigh like 220, and a 15-pound ball can pull me down? Well, yeah, I mean, I think it's all uh, just a matter of the, of the math, but um, there's also the issue of the body bloating. And things like that with the gases once right. the body decomposes and things like that. Right. I, so that's why bodies end up coming up because they might not have tied it tight enough or something. Yeah, to their, yeah. Ex- exactly. Yeah. Weird. Anyway, okay. Uh, okay, so yeah, so she was taken down uh, with the use of a bowling ball. In his pay, in, oh my god, this guy did a 78-page report. In his 78-page report, Eddie mentioned the sordid details of how Robin murdered his victims, including his sick habit of having sex with a severed breast. What are you talking about? How do you even do that? What are you talking about? I- oh my god. Are you are you keeping these and like hot-dogging them and I- then just going, dude, that's that's what that, that's the only what are you talking about? Let me reread that. In his 78-page report, Eddie mentioned, Eddie Spritzer, the driver, mentioned the sordid details of how Robin murdered his victims, including his sick habits of having sex with the severed be- uh, breasts. I don't even know how that's physically possible. I don't even want to try to imagine it. Right. I don't even know how it's possible. We'll move on. But the main suspect, Robin, was not backing down. The two of them were interrogated at the same time, but while Eddie spilled everything, Robin looked as if he had nothing to worry about. His attitude clearly frustrated the police, and worse, when the two were placed near each other, Eddie became scared. So much that he started changing his stories. Because he's scared of my man. He fucking severed breasts, having sex with him, masturbating in wounds. He told the police that Robin killed no one. And it was his girlfriend's brother. I'm going to try to get this name right. Andrew Cocorellis. Cocorellis. Andrew Cocorellis, who was the killer. Okay. All right. With this new revelation, Robin remained undisturbed. He admitted to knowing Andrew, but it seemed like he wasn't going to pin him down the way that Eddie did. When Andrew was brought in, he confessed to their crimes with disturbing details. He told the police how they used different weapons from polished ones like knives to unconventional things like piano wires oh my that's the wires that's the wires right there those are those so thin yeah they're really thin and strong 
Yeah. Oh my goodness. Yeah, that's it. Their signature was to remove one or both of the women's breasts. Women's breasts. Lastly, Andrew said that he had been involved in the murder of at least 18 women. The details he provided matched what the police had in their files. So they were keen to believe that the crew had been cornered. Although Robin still showed no sign of guilt, his actions with other with the other women, even his wife, he's got a family, sir, Robin Gecht, sealed his situation as one of the killers. Reports said that Robin had a breast fetish. He would often ask the ladies he was with to let him poke their chests with needles or pins. His wife even recalled that Robin had a penchant in poking even the infected skin wound. And nutting in it. You're just, oh my God. Just as the police thought they heard it all, another member of the killing crew came up. Another one. So this is the fourth, the Ripper crew. Tommy Cocorelli, so obviously probably a brother. We'll find out. According to Tommy, the four of them, Robin, Eddie, him, and his brother Andrew. Okay, his brother, I didn't even know that, but clearly. Organized a satanic crew. Oh my god, get the fuck out of here. You can't make this shit up. You can't make this shit up. You can. That's the fucked up part, is you can make this shit up. You just some people's minds don't go that far to to get to that imaginative uh you know, that imaginative fucking property. (laughs) Organize a satanic crew. Yo, man, I was saying this on the last episode for that Korean gang because that the like he the dude was saying like uh or was writing that Kim Wei Han is his name. Kim Wei Han organized five other dudes in addition to himself, but he like interviewed guys, like okay. vetted them to be part of his crew. I don't know. It just sounds so fucking weird to me, man. Organized a satanic crew. It wasn't rare during the 1980s because a lot of people, especially teenagers, were attracted to the notion of meeting the devil himself. It was just that Robin and his Ripper crew hiked the idea by about a hundred notches or like entirely just like just went over every mountain ever yeah like a thousand fold (laughs) in his admissions tommy related about the altar covered in red cloth which robin set up right in a room of their house (laughs) the walls were painted with black and red crosses and whenever his wife left for her night shift work oh god robin and the crew would worship the devil by an act of communion that was to eat the flesh. They had a, Oh, my God. I didn't know I was going to go there. Okay. That was to eat the flesh they had obtained from their victims. Mm. They're eating tits, man. So it's not like spam. O- not only killing these people, but they were eating them, too. Right, yeah. I didn't know we were going to do two cannibal stories in a row. I just want to make sure that you guys know that, okay? Um... I know that some of you, like myself, appreciate any sort of serial killer story. I'm just saying, I didn't know we were going to go the cannibal route twice. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. Tommy added, during the ritual, the three members would gather around the altar while Robin took portions of the flesh. He would then read several Bible passages before handing out a piece of flesh to each of them. As a ritual, why would you be reading out of the Bible if you're a Satanist? I was kind of wondering the same thing. And then, and the other question I was wondering is, how do you cook this exactly? 
I don't know if it was cooked. Oh, okay. Wouldn't you just cook it like you cook meat? I don't know. That's why I was asking. I don't know. I don't know. I would. I mean, logically, I would think you just throw it on a grill. I didn't know if it was. I'm done. being so serious too. I, <laughs> I'm, I, even, I'm being serious too. I don't I know. know if it's like medium, medium well. I don't. Oh know. God. <laughs> <laughs> I, I went there. Okay, I no, went there. I, I went there. That's my bad. I didn't see what you were dropping. No, I didn't. I went there. Then, I went do there. They like I'm, it sorry. Blue? I'm do they sorry. I'm sorry. Like do they like a blue steak? Do they like a, uh, I know. I'm sorry. I went I there. I love it. Okay. Before, but and then also he would then read several Bible passages uh, before handing out a piece of flesh to each of them, like you know, uh, like Catholics do with communion. You know what I'm saying? Like just, but it's flesh. Yeah. Like yeah. Boob, like titty meat. Oh my God! As the ritual went on, all of them. Oh my God! As the ritual went on, all of them would masturbate on the piece of human meat. Oh Jesus! When all were satisfied, they would eat the flesh as if it was the Oscar. So, are you telling me these dudes ate other dudes' joint? Um. These no, it, I think it was their own joint. Like so, I've, all of them would masturbate on the piece of human meat that they were given. Oh, okay. Wait, I no, mean, no, no, no. all of them would masturbate on the piece of. I think, I think maybe they just like put the meats together. Are, I don't know, and then just oh. all of them. Like, come on, guys. Are you? No, of, no, 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 no. Wait, let okay. me let me finish what I'm saying. Okay, are you go, telling God, me? Are, oh are, my are, God. are you telling me they ejaculate on the meat together and then they share it? Because if you're telling me that. I'm about to throw up right now. Oh, um, this is what I'm telling you. I mean, that's even worse than eating titty meat. <laughs> eating titty meat. I mean... This th- is what th- I'm telling th- you. <laughs> this is what I'm telling you. I'm going to reread it. As the ritual went on, all of them would masturbate on the piece of human meat. When all were satisfied, they would eat the flesh as if it was the Oscar. I can only assume... That they masturbated on their own piece of titty meat. You're making an assumption about some sick motherfuckers. <laughs> <laughs> so you're making you're making a regular person assumption. I don't know what they did. I just know that they all had their dicks out, and there's four dudes in a in a in a base in a, yeah. a basement room yeah. that would normally be like for fucking this producing is, this podcast the, 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 and, and his wife is gone and, this and is being a, a this is a sausage fest yeah, basically dude, yeah yeah so <laughs> and they're just all coming yeah yeah we're moving on oh my uh, god tommy confided that he had been to at least a dozen of these rituals yeah <laughs> and had also been there to witness two murders but like his brother and eddie he refused to pin robin down so everyone's like, Robin, like, he's crazy. I mean, also very fearful of him. I think it's more so like a respect thing, maybe. Eventually, the, poli- the, eventually the police asked Tommy why they would do such a crime. And the slow-witted of the Cocorellis brothers answered that Robin could make them do anything. As if he was an all-powerful god. Which goes back to what we were just talking about. Right. Further interviews revealed that other people, too, were scared of Robin. Some even warned the police not to look him in the eye. For no how, uh, for no matter how cruel the action was, he would be able to command you to do it. Perhaps it was the reason why his wife, despite all the weird things he wanted her to perform, tolerated him. Through it all, the man remained adamant they had no crimes to admit. 
In an attempt to escape trial, Robin Geck pleaded insanity. Okay, this is what we usually do. But the jury, after having him examined by psychiatrists, deemed him mentally fit to stand. Good for you, jury. A mistrial happened, but it resumed on September of 1983, where the prosecutor, show, where the prosecutor showed every possible evidences, including the altar, the rifle used for the drive-by shooting, and some satanic literature. Above all these, they also found a trophy. You ready for this? I'm ready. You called it. Above all these, they also found a trophy box in his house. This Boom. contained at least 15 pieces of breast flesh. Boom. You nailed it before. Boom. Yeah. Of course he kept a trophy. Boom. Literally a trophy box. These motherfuckers all do it. They do it. Why do you think that is? I don't know, man. Yeah. I just, don't know. Just like just being. Okay. Yeah. When Robin stood to defend himself, he only agreed to one thing, and that was in attacking Beverly Washington. That was the 20-year-old 20, 20 who got away. But he denied everything else, including the rape, torture, and murders. He, he insisted that he didn't kill anyone. Okay, man. Knowing that they couldn't charge him with murder unless there was physical evidence to link him to any of it, like DNA, the jury resorted to charging him with, the other, with other crimes, namely rape, attempted murder, armed violence, aggravated battery, and sexual assault. The verdict was 120 years in prison. Damn, so they really couldn't even get him on murder? I know, all those things he did and they couldn't string him up on it? Damn. Because of DNA? Well, this was the early days, you gotta remember. Right. So what's the later developments on it, though, is what I wonder. For his confession, Tommy was sentenced to life in prison for the murder of Lorraine Borowski. The report said that the pun, uh, report said the punishment should have been death, but since he had been consistent with his statement, his verdict was decreased. Currently, the punishment was commuted, and Thomas Tommy Cocarellis will be released in 2017. Just last year. What? What? His brother. For his admission in the rape and torture of Rose Davis was sentenced to a lifetime in prison. But later on, he retracted all his confessions, telling the judges that the police officers unethically treated him to the point of confession. According to him, they even provided him with all the information to confess about. Sir, you admitted to it. Right. That's it. And a story. That's all, man. Don't fucking... That's, it just seems so contrived. Like, once you know... There's a problem with just admitting that you fucked up. And then after getting caught for admitting you fucked up, just to be like, yeah, you know what? That one's on me. That's my bad, fellas. <laughs> no, but no. He just told the judges that the police officers unethically treated him to the point of confession. I mean, unethically treated him maybe what? Like waterboarded him? I highly doubt that. I highly doubt that. And, and look at how many women these guys killed. Yeah, just, just shut up, man. Stop it. Shut up. And that goes back to that story last week. Those guys were dead in six months. Yeah. The, the government was like, yeah, all you guys are. Yeah. It's a wrap. Guys like this shouldn't even be able to. Eat off yeah, my bill. Yeah, exactly. Off my dime. Yeah. These guys shouldn't even be around in like a year. It's a wrap. Yeah. It's a wrap. It should be a wrap. For real. You're that cool. You thought that you were that cool. You affected how many lives? 18, 18 women or 18 women times that by two just for their parents. That's 36 times that 
Not to mention their entire families right. and all the people around. Exactly. Them. Go off on that. Just times two more. Let's just give. Let's just say that they had at least um, a couple aunts or uncles for each of them. So that turns to seventy-two. And then all their families. Yo, man, we're talking like hundreds of people mm -hmm. affected by this, not just the ones that like were direct family members. Right, hundred percent. And you and you and. And this guy was released in 2017, just the driver guy. Yo, man. Somebody needs to plug his ass, for real. Right. I don't suggest you do it. No. Nah. No, we ain't. We're, yeah, disclaimer. We're not suggesting anybody <laughs> listening does it, and we're not suggesting we would do it. So let's be clear about that. <laughs> Short story being undesent. What? How do you do it? Short story being undesent authorize the use of plugging someone. Because they're an asshole when they kill women. With his retraction, the jury had to decide whether to believe the police or believe Andrew. In the end, they believed the law and sentenced Andrew to death. The defense team argued about this ultimate punishment, pointing out that if ever the client was truly guilty, then the crime still wouldn't merit a death sentence. How would they not merit a death sentence? It's just... It's just uh, and I've said it on this podcast before. I've just... I don't know... You know what? I'm just going to say it. I'm okay with the medieval method, man. If you have if you have done it and if you're if there's like not enough remorse I don't know, do you still die? I think you still die. I think you still get persecuted. I think you still die. I am not I don't want to turn this into a debate at all about capital punishment. I don't I'm not going to do that. But I will say that if you have done some unruly shit in a fan, I mean, to be honest here, very detailed go around of doing it to have that conscious wherewithal. I mean, if you made other people pay with their lives off of nothing, really, because you were worshiping Satan, yeah, man, death penalty. Can I get a word in on yeah, this? Yeah, go ahead. I know, I know, my moniker is Dangerous Devil, but that's just a that's a moniker. But uh, I'm a I'm a rowdy motherfucker, so I'm just gonna go in and say it. Uh, I'm kind of one and done. I say you go in, you kill somebody, and uh, you do it to uh, to be an asshole. I'm kind of like, you need to be done. Needs to be over. Right. Take your ass out. Right. And it's fine. I feel like it's totally fine. It's absolutely fine because it's like, yo, man, that's not that's not a decision I made. That's a decision you made. Exactly. And your decision made a ripple effect, and it's terrible. So. These guys right here, in my opinion, don't deserve to live. But yeah. that's that's my opinion, and I'm not making it political. Right, at all. I don't want a political uh, commentary on it. Yeah, this yeah. this is just story time. We're having fun. Right. But these guys killed a lot of people. They affected a lot of people. And it, just real quick, you know, as far as I'm concerned, they should have been... Uh, 
executed, a lot executed, yeah. and fucking done. And that's it. I don't it. disagree. I don't disagree. But again, we're not gonna. I mean, anyway, moving the, on. Because there are, there are, and I'll just say this. I mean, you guys know me. I mean, you know, sometimes we go down these rabbit holes, so it's totally fine. This is totally fine. I'm not worried about it. Um, but there are certain cases where you're like, yo, man, you know. That, like there's folks on death row for like shit that they did not do at all and so like capital punishment is absolutely you know a fine line subject and a fine line topic I certainly understand that but when the facts are there shit is like fucking so there I don't know you know I think what, why do we have people in our country that are spending like you know 50 years for instance um Somebody I know who was just pardoned by the president, Weldon Angelos. Big case. I don't know if you know him, but he, um, one of your homies um, knows him. And I won't go off on this tangent too long, but um, he was looking at 55 years for marijuana. Wow. Why do we got people sitting in federal prison for 55 years and we got people like this that murder all these people and get out? It's crazy, man. You know, I'm not going to make it political, right. but let, let's not have people sitting in prison for 55 years for for marijuana. Like and we weed, got weed, man. Yeah, weed. And we got people getting out yeah. for killing people. So right. anyway, moving on. Right, right. No, I get it. I really appreciate your commentary on it, man. Like straight up, like no big deal. Okay, so it was going to be a long battle. Okay, let me run that back. The defense team argued that this ultimate punishment, death, pointing out that if ever the client was truly guilty, then the crime still wouldn't merit a death sentence. It was going to be a long battle, especially especially since at that time, a lot of people were pushing for the death punishment to be abolished, which I understand. More so after the anti-death... <clears throat> more so after the anti-death penalty supporters heard that Andrew was viewed by a, uh, was viewed by a prison chaplain as a safe man who still could... Uh, that who could still be re rehabilitated. Okay. All right. I mean, I guess everyone gets a second shot, just not the people that you killed. So furthermore, the defense team insisted that the court can approve premeditation. What? <laughs> how, do you, how do you not premeditate that many people? What are I you mean, talking about? I don't know. I don't know. Which was a primary criterion in giving out the death penalty. Oh, my God. As a last-ditch effort, Andrew's lawyers stated that their client had schizophrenia, which may or may not be true. The fact that a psychiatrist diagnosed him with the personality disorder could mean that he was vulnerable to external influences, such as one permeated by Robin Gecht. I, the jury didn't change their mind, though. So in 1999, Andrew Cocorelli's gained the title of being the last man to be executed in Illinois. Okay. So they got one right. Is that what right. they're telling us? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Edward Eddie Spritzer was also placed in death row, but in 2003, his, his sentence was commuted to a lifetime in prison. In an attempt to understand the murders, Jennifer Furio, an author, sent them a letter which she hoped they would respond to. Fortunately, Robin and Eddie replied. In Eddie's letter, he claimed that he didn't do a bad thing alone and that, was, that the only reason he performed the crimes was because he was afraid of Robin's power as well as his shotgun. Pressured. Okay. Jennifer believed that Eddie was truly a sweet guy. Cool. Who only succumbed under the influence of a more confident Robin. 
who apparently gave him a job and some unfulfilled promises. Eddie was, according to the author, a weak target, someone who, due to his unhealthy lifestyle and upbringing, became easy for Robin to manipulate, which honestly happens. Oh, yeah, it definitely does. It absolutely happens. So it's not super far off, okay? I mean, I'm not going to, but I'm just not going to say that I, I don't get it. Eddie said that each attack they made was random. It wasn't planned. You're going out into a van, so that's a plan. There's there's intent. That's a plan. Their their targets may have been random, but the exactly. attacks were planned. Exactly. And that's what I'm saying. Like the premeditated part, it's for sure premeditated. You got in the van, you guys are hanging around, and then boom, someone's like, "Hey, let's go fucking get her." Exactly. Everyone intended to do that. That's a plan. They just didn't know the people. Didn't know the people, didn't know what the plan was going to entail, whatever. That's a plan, man. Yeah. If I go out and I'm like, I look, I, I, since you have your cup here, if I go out and I'm like, I'm like, I don't plan to eat or whatever, like I'm just not hungry. And then I look and I see McDonald's, like, you know, those beautiful golden arches. And I'm like, you know what? I'm going to get a burger. That's an intent and a mini plan. Exactly. I'm planning to do that in the next five minutes. Exactly. That's a plan, man. Stop it. Eddie said that each attack they made was random. It wasn't planned. They would only have a target whenever... Okay, see? They would only have a target whenever Robin saw one woman with large bosoms, as he was very fond of it. It's still premeditated, because as soon as you find that woman... Boom! You got the target. It's a plan. It's a plan. How, like, how does a jury not, like, how can you get, I, you know, I really appreciate what lawyers do um, for the, like, a lot. I really appreciate what lawyers do. I even appreciate defense attorneys that have to do everything that they can to scrape together a story to manipulate. Bullshit their way through it. Manipulate. It's manipulating. Yeah. I just don't know how they got this entirely, you know. I do. It's just, fuck. It's so, like, reading it is just so fucking mind-numbing a little bit. Okay. Eddie said that each attack they made was random. It wasn't planned. They would only have a target uh, whenever Robin saw one woman with large bosoms, as he was very fond of it. Robin's letter contained some answers as to why he was obsessed with women's breasts. He said that it was a family thing, that every uh, male in his parentage had a penchant for large breasts. Candidly, he reported in the letter that he was very satisfied with his former wife, who had a chest measurement of 39D. Yo, man, fucking, for sure, take it easy, dang. Uh, a, a lot of us like big breasts, but that's kind of where we all deviate and fork off in the road from these guys. Right. That's it. Right. That's the only that, thing that, I got in common with you, man. Yeah. Asked if he was guilty of the crimes, Robin insisted as he had before, that he killed no one, and he was not a serial killer. Jennifer, who was the author that asked for them to provide letters, could only categorize him as a Manonesque killer. Oh, excuse me, Mansonesque killer. Mansonesque killer from the Manson family famous for their murderers. Someone who could encourage people to do his bidding. Mm. 
Episode 39 is in the books, ladies and gentlemen. We just read about Robin Gecht and the Ripper crew uh, with my boy Dangerous Devil. Whoop, wow. Whoop. Man, that was... Uh, intense. That was intense. I got to close down iBooks for a second because I can't even fucking... Like, oh, my God. I think, the, I think the biggest part for me, and I and I explained this kind of through it, is that the premeditated part messes with me. Yep. Um, the trials and who was the trials and Robin Gecht not being charged at all for any of the murders. Right. Right. Um, and also all the families that were affected by it, especially because of how brutal the last bits of life of those folks were. Do you know what I'm saying? Oh yeah. Brutal. Like Brutal. that's like, like, I don't know. It's really. Gecht was almost like the Teflon Dawn in this case. He kind of just like, he had everybody, all these people scared of him. Right. Which is, um, you know, again, how she put it, uh, Jennifer Furio, Madsen esque. Yeah, you know? Exactly. Yeah. Manipulated and uh, afraid of him. Right, exactly. Um, so with that in mind, let's kind of segue a little bit out of that. Um, before we do, though, certainly appreciate you guys, uh, guys for leave, uh, listening. Uh, again, happy Podcast Friday. Hope you um, have something cool planned for the weekend. Um, but I have my boy on here who I just met yesterday. But uh, seems like a genuine cat. I'm really happy to have him over. Uh, got me over. Got me um, one of his uh, physical copies of his uh, press kit, and uh, really excited to read that. He was telling me some stories about, uh, or not telling me stories. What his, his intent is with his music for this next go around, uh, as far as touring is concerned. So, um, I, you know, leave it up to you right now, sir. Like, what uh, what would you say your you know type of mute like? I mean, it's hip hop for sure, but do you feel like, like I listened to city lights and I felt like, um, I don't know if it was just a beat choice for that one particular song, but I had an idea uh, or it came to mind like, like uplift. I mean, maybe that song is supposed to be uplifting because you were repping two different, you know, two different sides as far as California and also, um, you know, Utah. Um, but it had kind of an electro vibe a little bit too. Sure. So what would you say like your, 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 uh, niches or what have you? Well, let, before I get into that, I want to ask you the emotion you got from it. Cause I want to see if, 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 if I hit the mark, cause I know what I'm looking for. So tell me the emotion you felt. The emotion I got was, uh, very, was, um, proud, uh, like as, as far as like, uh, Utah was concerned and also, um, I mean the the beat the beat's jumpy, so like I don't know, a little dancey um, or groovy. You know what I'm saying? Um, but mostly proud, like just um, you did a really good job of storytelling on it. Good. And so that's that's what I would say. Yeah. Did it did it give you positive feeling? Yeah, that's what I was saying. It kind of more positive uh, okay, feel. Yeah, they good. had more positive feel to it. Yeah. Good. Good. Like that's, something I could hear like like at a, you know, an all ages kind of thing. Good. Yeah. That's, that's what I was going for. Um so what I what I come from um 
I've kind of evolved with my sound. Okay. I've been I've been around. I've been uh, I I started in hip hop in the late '80s. I've evolved. I, I released my first uh, uh, true project in 1996. Wow. Yeah, long time. Um, I've kind of evolved from more of a uh, kind of uh, I would say borderline gangster funk type sound in the late 90s um now i'm kind of in my i would say maybe later years in in my music okay and so i've kind of i'm i've i'm not a wild child anymore so to speak right so, i think i think every artist kind of reaches that point too yeah, right? yeah. exactly so I'm I'm at a point where I'm trying to have fun with my music. I love that. Yeah. And I, I want to do positive things, but I also want to have fun with it. So I wanted to do something positive with the single. I wanted to have something fun that would reach everybody. And City Lights, when I heard the beat, the production on it was done by... Shout out to HD Productions, by the way. When I heard that beat, I just knew. I mean, instantly when I heard it, I was online um, looking for some production. It was about three in the morning. As soon as I heard it, I just reached out to him and I was like, I got to have this production. Right. I have to have this. And I literally wrote that song that night. Love that so much. Yeah. Because once it hits you, like being a songwriter myself, once it hits you, like you just got to go. Yeah. Yeah. Or at least write as much as possible and maybe even like take a, a, a recorded memo so that you exactly. remember some patterns and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. So that's great. Yeah. So I uh, I had to be patient because I actually wrote the song and I had to sit on it for almost two years. And I was like, damn. Yeah. Budget wise, I needed the money to do this thing up right. I wanted to get in the studio. Okay. I wanted to uh, send this thing off to master it properly. I wanted to shoot a video properly. So I wanted everything done the way that it needed to be done. Right. So that's what I had to do. And uh, so, yeah, I wanted everything done perfect. So we had to do that. And, yeah, it turned out beautiful. I'm proud of it. It's probably the favorite song I've ever done. Ever? Ever. Wow, that's Ever. pretty strong. Yeah, and I've done 14 projects to date, probably close to 75 songs. So, wow. yeah, I'm happy with it. It's starting to take off. I've got some radio starting to pick it up. Now, so tell me uh, what you, or tell the folks um, what you told me about the map you got. Just kind of tell me about that really quick. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, um,. I'm kind of an old school cat, so I uh, I decided I want to I want to uh, do something a little different than most people are doing now. So I went back to uh, an old school approach to get physical press kits out. So um, I picked up like a four foot map at the uh, at the store last about a week ago, I guess. Right. Uh, picked up some dot pins with the big dots on the head, and basically. What I did is every uh, radio station I can find on Wiki that plays urban across the country, I'm going to send a physical media kit out as I can afford budgetary, and it's going to spread out 
like a plague from Utah across the United States. And over the coming months, hopefully over the next two to three months, I'm going to hit every station across the country with a media kit with this single. Love it, man. Yeah. So. That's great. Okay. So, like, um, where, where can, you know, folks, I mean, I'm going to be, okay, excuse me, before I say that, I'm definitely going to have his links in the description um, of the of the uh, podcast and uh, the story, of course. Um, but he'll we'll have a... Uh, link um, to his uh, music uh, there but where can folks um, you know hear your music at so the song is everywhere it's supposed to be it's uh, called new singles called city lights you can pick it up on itunes you can pick it up on amazon you can pick it up on my website uh, dangerousdevil.com which will be posted as well all the all the proper places you should be able to pick up music that's where it's going to be love it man and yeah. so they, they just got to search city lights dangerous devil or uh, like on itunes yeah like on itunes hop on itunes right now type of thing yeah that's all you got to do is just jump on and look up uh, city lights and it's under dangerous devil that's nice. it yeah well, we're going to play that song um, to finish this out. Um, yo, man, thank you so much for coming on. It's been a blast, man. This has been probably one of the most interesting experiences I've ever done in my life, so I, I hope I can come back and do it again sometime. Would you man. like to come yeah, back? Hell yeah, anytime, man. This okay, has been well interesting. Then, it's done. You're yeah, going to come we'll back. We'll, we'll do a different story. We won't do just a serial killer. Okay. Well, whatever. It doesn't matter. Serial killers are interesting. So yeah, we can a, do it's it again. interesting story. But this is episode 39 in the books. Happy Podcast Friday to you and yours. Again, if this is your first time, welcome. If this is your second time, the retention program is working. My name is Gabino Chacon or Nate Chacon to some. And, um, yeah, we're going to get out of here, man. But we're going to play this song by my boy, Dangerous Devil. What? What? Boom. Let's get this Utah to Southern Cali connection popping. You know, every time I roll through LA, Hollywood, San Diego, Oceanside, I get nothing but love from the people. I tell you this to tell you Cali like a second home to me. I always have a party when we there. So you know what? Let's drop this. Yeah, yeah. Leave the city life behind me on the interstate way me Put the pedal to the metal, leaving town cause it's Friday Drop the top as I head into the center Cruising toward Cali cause I wanna be a beach bum Got thoughts of me living like a nomad A grass shack from my oceanside pad Daydreaming as the wind blows through my head Got the world in my hands, so I'm living without a care Hit 100 girlfriends dead She sings Sean Keith and baby take me there Game time, I do my damage to a vibe Cops try to stop her, but they won't recognize her This is classic, like Phantom of the Opera right. All my mind says, it's up to you, copper You may try, but no, you can't stop her I said, hey, no, you can't stop her, stop her
snow falls in, the sights are amazing Beautiful women in the summer heat blazing We're cruising plastics, rolling on dating I'm here to bring the party, now everybody's waiting Like the old west time for a showdown Jam my name and now I'm ready for a throwdown Gonna take the mic in hand, cause it's time to drop my set Gonna give my people a show they never will forget I just want everyone to have a little fun Share my love of music under the callous sun yeah. You got an eagle, better check it at the front gate You got beef, you better leave it on the dinner plate Drink pass all around, now everybody's sipping Don't want the fools at the party set tripping What up fools, love, what up love Don't matter to me, homie, cause it's all love, love Spare fingers! Yes!